0: I'm to start off this morning by saying right off the bat that i'm so thankful for this church and i'm so thankful for y'all worshiping the way that you do this is a church that even if i wasn't a pastor i would come to that's a question that i have to ask myself would you go to your own church if you weren't the pastor and the answer is hands down yes the reason for that is because it's a worshiping church i look for worshiping churches And for me, I came from a lifestyle of drugs and partying and reggae bands and clubbing and all that stuff. And if I could go to the clubs and the parties and do shots of tequila, which y'all never do, but if I could do that, why would I come into God's house and be stiff? Oh, suddenly I came in a house and I gotta be holy and reverent. I mean, yeah, you gotta be holy and reverent, but that doesn't mean hold back in your worship. And what happens is we let religious control or fear of man or what other people think hold us back. Now, I get it. Some of you will never dance. I mean, I I got that. And you don't have to dance. What I want you to do is to worship. What I want you to do is whatever the Spirit leads you to do, but that you're engaging and worshiping with freedom. And seriously, if you think about some of y'all's crazy past, and then you come into church, and it's like, you got that face and that look, and it's like, like, come on, guys, get free. It's all right. You don't have to have shots of tequila to get uninhibited. I'll give you the freedom as your pastor right now to be wild. How's that, all right? You can be free. You know, when I went back to church for the very first time after I got out of prison, I went to Miami and I looked up a church. I said, I wanted a spirit-filled church. So I found a church and... First time I'd been to church since I was a kid. When I was a kid, I only went to the Baptist church or the Lutheran, Methodist, all the denomination churches, Catholic. I would stay the f- night with friends on a Saturday night and on Sunday morning, their parents would make me go to church. That's, that was the gist of my church experience as a kid, right? So here I am, fast forward, I'm 24 years old. I'd gotten busted for drugs. I'm out of prison. I'd spent a year in prison. Which was one of the best years of my life. And I was like, I got spirit filled. I was fired up and I was like, I'm going to church. So I walk into a church and it is wild, wilder than this church, okay? It had tambourines and flags and people dancing and people laid out on the floor and they were laughing in holy laughter and drunk in the Holy Spirit. And it was a full scale, wild charismatic or charismaniac church is what it was. And I walked in and I thought to myself, this is crazy. And I looked up front and I couldn't believe in the church there was a band, Now, I had never seen a band in church. To some of y'all, you're like, you couldn't imagine a church without a band. But back in the day, there were no bands in church. It was hymnals, right? And so, and I'm talking, I'm going back all the way to like early 80s, okay? And so, up front on the stage, I could see under the lights a pair of conga drums, that Nobody was playing now. I play percussion. I don't play all the time. Emmanuel's been doing a great job playing in my place Let's give him a hand clap. Good job You know raising up another generation and I don't always need to be up there though. I enjoy it and I like to be up there but uh, here I was, i have been playing in a reggae band. I get out of prison. I go to this church and I'm looking up front and there's some conga drums. And if you're a musician, the one thing that drives you nuts is when the band's rocking, there's your instrument and either A, they're not very good and you know you can play better or it's really good and you wish you were playing or there's an, the instrument you play that nobody's playing and that's even worse, right? And so I was like, man, I really wanna play those drums. And I'm like, this is weird. What are all these people where's the alcohol? Where's the drugs? I'm thinking to myself, these people can't be that happy and that wild without some alcohol and drugs, right? Because I didn't know any better. And then I quickly realized nobody was drinking, nobody was doing drugs, but they were getting rocked and having a wild party in the Holy Ghost. And I was like, this is cool. I'm like, you know, I could go to Grateful Dead concerts with hippie chicks and tie-dyes and bells on their ankles and people wild and dancing and being crazy, but yet I walk into church and it's wild and crazy, and I'm going to be judgmental and critical? Where did that come from? Some of us have some really bad religion in our past, and then we come into a house of freedom, and then we're skeptical, what's the problem, and then we've been labeled, we've been called all kinds of things a cult, the hippie church, the this church, the that church, or you go to that church. I'm like, yeah, I go to that church. We pray in tongues and we bust up demons and we set captives free and we make no apologies for it. And the thing is, is when you really study out what it means to be saved, you get this thing in your life called Zoe life. How many have heard the word Zoe? We name our kids, our cats, our dogs, Zoe, 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 right? But Zoe has a much deeper meaning the word Zoe means that God gives you a particular kind of life. It's a life that doesn't need drugs and alcohol. It's a life that makes you satisfied all the time. And actually, the word means to be animated and to be vigorous and to be full of joy in your life. And I don't know, maybe some of y'all have been a Christian too long. I don't know what's going on with some of you guys. You've been to too much church or something. Seriously. Where's the fire? Where's the passion? Where's the joy? God saved you when you didn't deserve it. You were, and I don't care who you were. You may not have had a background like a lot of us of drugs and alcohol and parties, but every single person, even these teenagers and young adults need Jesus as much as anybody does because nobody can be good in their own strength. In fact, nobody's good. And if you think you're good, trust me, it's just a matter of time before you'll realize how jacked up you really are and you can't do it in your own strength. For me, I was banging my head against the wall. And at some point, you get tired of the pain. Right? And so I surrendered all. And when I surrendered all, I was forgiven of all. And when you realize what God did for you, how much he forgave you, what he exchanged in your life, what he traded in your life, God made an exchange. In fact, the Bible says in Colossians 1, he transferred you or conveyed you. You know what that means? I once was here, now I'm here. My position changed. Now, you may not feel it, and it may not look like it. But if you said yes to Jesus and you meant it from your heart, not your head, then you were transferred, and now God starts working on the inside. When I really cried out to the Lord, I didn't have, like, goosebumps, bubblies, and floating on clouds and levitating all around. Some people get that but what happened was a slow change started happening on the inside. I prayed, the man, I prayed the deepest prayer you could ever pray. It was so holy and so reverent. I cried out for help. I said, God, if you're really there, I need help. That was it. But I meant it because I was at my end. And now when I had to run to false religion and I had all my Catholic candles and a crucifix on the wall and all my horoscopes on the wall and I considered myself spiritual, little did I know I was on a fast track to death and destruction. So God pulled me out of it and transferred me from one life to a new life. But it wasn't an instantaneous in my mind, but it was in my heart. I didn't necessarily know it, but over the course of time, by not giving up, I changed. And I was rescued. That's why you never give up. God will finish what he began. He finishes the good work he started. That's why you don't lose heart. That's why you can't shrink back. And so, you know, I was radically saved. Radically, like radically saved. And just meet my wife. I mean, she didn't have a radical experience like I did. She was... A good person. She didn't go the route that I went. But you know what? You ask her and she'll tell you she needed Jesus as much as I did, just differently. In fact, one of the greatest stories is that these teenagers and young adults will never go the route that I went. You never have to do the things that I did to learn the lessons that I learned, ever. You don't want to do it. Trust me, the pain, the heartache, the brokenness, the destruction, it's a miserable life that ultimately will lead to death. And now, because of our stories, we get to help other people not make the same mistakes that we made. And so I remembered when, you know, I grew my hair out after I was a Christian and I was a youth pastor. And then I became a campus pastor here in Corpus Christi. And somebody invited me to a men's meeting. It was at the uh, Old Luby's on Alameda. Remember that? And so I I went over there and I didn't really want to go. Uh, for various reasons. The other thing is I know when I go to those kind of meetings, I had long hair and earrings at the time. I'm always the guy that they single out that they're sure needs to get saved, right? I'm the guy that the preacher would, little did they know I was a pastor. So I was like, I'll just sit in the back. I don't need to be seen. I don't need anybody to know me. Just let me sit in the back. Well, not the people that brought me, they were like, no, pastor, you're gonna sit up front. So they bring me up to the front and right as I get up to the front, there's a guy up there leading worship on an old 1980s Casio keyboard. Now, some of you might remember those Casio keyboard. It had a drum machine on it. And it had this like crazy techno beat. And then he's singing, open the eyes of my heart to techno. And I'm like, this is so bad. Like, this is so bad. I mean, the worship was terrible. And everybody's looking at me and, and I'm self-conscious and the worship's bad and there's a Casio keyboard. And I'm like, what have I gotten my, and I'm at Luby's on Alameda in Corpus Christi. I'm like, what has happened to my life? Right? And then God began to deal with my heart. He said, wait a minute. This guy that's leading worship's giving it all his best and you're judgmental and critical and you're holding back when I set you free from what, because you don't like the way the music is on the old Casio keyboard or the song's too outdated? See, I learned a long time ago that when I don't want to be here, I need to be here. I learned when I don't want to worship, worship twice as hard. Because my flesh doesn't dictate how I worship. Many, many times, whether I feel like it or not, I'm here. I don't get the choice most of the time. If I don't feel good, I'm here. If I don't want to worship, guess what I'm doing? I'm worshiping. Because it takes all that. Because my flesh constantly wants to rule over my spirit. So does yours. I'm not any different than you. I just pay the price and have been trusted with more responsibility. But it's the same price you can pay and you can get the same responsibility too. And so I learned that regardless of how I feel, no matter what, I'm gonna press in. That's why I'm up here worshiping. And I'm not saying that to push you and to pressure you. I'm saying that authentically to tell you I have been forgiven of so much, set free from so much, and I'm worshiping because I'm so desperate because I realize my own heart is deceitfully wicked. And if I don't stay aggressive, my flesh and carnal nature will want to rule over my spirit. The Bible says when you sow to the spirit, you reap from the spirit. And some of us wonder, I don't know where the fire is, and I I feel so lukewarm. You know, I don't want to be lukewarm. You're like, I don't know what happened. I said, I can tell you what happened. You stopped doing the things you did at first. You know, I, I counsel married couples all the time. Some that I even married. And when I first married them, man, they were in love. Oh, man, they were so in love, they could do no wrong. And I told them all the right, I told them everything to be prepared for for two, three, five years, kids, families. Three, five years come down the line, they come in the office, they sit at one end of the couch, scowling at each other or looking the other direction because they're mad. And 10 out of 10 times, they stop doing the things that they did at first because love is an action, not a feeling. And we want the feelings of love, but they always come from the actions of love. But see, God never stops acting. He never stops giving you He never stops loving you. He's always coming after you. So for us as Christians, your love should flame on. In the progress of your life, your love should grow hotter day by day. You know how my love grew a lot hotter? I failed so many times, and I was shocked that God would keep loving me the same. And eventually, I was like tired of failing all the time. I mean, there's just, you know, at some point, you don't wanna go back to the pig trough. At some point, you realize the food there is really bad. Right? And that's why we have a lot of grace and mercy, but we stay aggressive. It takes all that. It takes all that. Let's say that. It, that. it takes all that. You pray in tongues. You stay in the Spirit. You stay filled with the Spirit. You listen to worship. You stay in the Word. You get aggressive. You don't make your work your career. You make Jesus in building His kingdom your career, and then He gives you a good job and provides you the money so that you have a tent-making job to fuel the kingdom of God because we're gardeners here we're in an army here. We're farmers here. That's what this church is. So we press and we keep pressing and we realize we're in the broken people business. We're in the broken people business. Let's say that. Say, I am in the broken people business. Why? Because you were broken. You know, if some of you won the lottery, you'd be going nuts. You'd be like, oh my gosh, my life would be so much better. The truth is, most people that win the lottery, their lives are destroyed. In fact, there's a whole TV series on it. The lottery destroyed my life. And at some point, you realize money, work, jobs, stuff, things none of that's going to satisfy. Nothing satisfies but authentic relationships and love and community and family and being and doing everything Jesus calls you to do. You'll never be satisfied you'll never be satisfied. When we make the decision to give our lives to Jesus, we make the decision to give him our broken, burnt-down bridges. Our failures, hurts, pains, bitterness, and past. How many of you burnt down bridges in your past? So when you come to the Lord, you give that to him. When you make the greatest and most important decision of of your life, you choose to surrender your brokenness to the one who laid his life down for you. I call it the great exchange. Let's say that, the great exchange. So we're making a trade. Except with this trade, you can't buy it. No money will ever purchase what God has to give for you. And you're trading what you deserved for what he did on the cross. For what he didn't deserve. It's his selflessness for our selfishness his righteousness for our unrighteousness, his holiness for our wickedness, his forgiveness for our unforgiveness, his healing for our brokenness, his blood for our sins, his life for our life. Isaiah 55 says that when you're hungry and thirsty and you have no money, you can buy and eat from the living waters and the bread of life. He says, come to me, you who are thirsty, and you have no money. And the truth is, is none of us have money in that context, because it's not about physical money. It's us thinking that we're well off and in a position to have what we really need on our own strength. He says, I'll give you what really satisfies. Why are you working nonstop for something that doesn't satisfy? This is all Isaiah 55. No one satisfies like the Lord. No one makes you feel as full of peace and joy and life and rest like Jesus does. No drink, no drug, no sex, nothing. No money, no jobs. Nothing can satisfy like the Lord. So he says, come to me and I'll give you what really satisfies. If you go and read it, it says you can go and buy wine and milk without money and price. There's no price. There's no price can compare. Now there is a cost. The cost is your life. You've you got to give up your life. Do you know the greatest move of God's that have ever happened on earth have come from three groups of people? You know what they are? Poor people, broken people, and young people. You know why? Because they have nothing to lose. And when you come to the place where you realize you have nothing to lose, you gain everything. What are you protecting? What are we hanging on to? Teenagers are radical. Why? They have nothing to lose. Broken people, poor people, they're desperate. And it doesn't mean that wealthy people can't be desperate. That's not what I'm saying. I will say biblically, it's a lot harder for wealthier people. You got to come to the place where you realize you have nothing to lose and everything to gain when you surrender it all to Jesus. When When we were lonely and isolated, God set us into a family. When we had no friends or bad friends, God gives us new ones. When we're tormented with fear and nightmares, God brings peace and true rest. Sweet dreams of hope, life, adventure, and promise. When we were hopeless, he brings hope. When we were far away, he brings us close. When we were fatherless, he becomes a father. When we're broken people, God rescues us. We're all these things and more when we come to the Lord. Some of us were addicted, lifeless and without meaning, and on the verge of suicide. Some of us thought we were good, trusting in our own strength and goodness, only realized we could never be good enough and that our own ways only led to dissatisfaction and death. We were all broken people that God rescued. And God used someone, somewhere, somehow to talk to you, didn't he? Now, some of us found the Lord without anybody talking to us, but for the most part, somebody always preached the gospel or caught us somewhere or told us something, someone, somewhere, somehow told us about Jesus. Today, I'm thankful for the man at the Atlanta, Omni, who preached to me when I wrote him off and didn't want to hear anything to say while I was at a Grateful Dead concert. He caught me inside the lobby of the hotel and he started to talk to me about Jesus and preached the gospel to me. He was sincere, he was authentic. But see, I thought all roads led to God. I considered myself spiritual while I meditated on crystals and tarot cards and got high and thought myself like a really spiritual guy, which I wasn't. and I wrote that guy off, but you know what? That guy took a chance, I'll never forget it. I didn't want to listen to him, but to this day, I look back and I remember a guy that tried. Today, I'm thankful for my best friend's mom in high school who took me to the Grand Oaks Baptist Church camp in Chillicothe, Missouri when I was 13 years old. I'm thankful for that Bible that she gave me, the only one that took a chance on me when I was a teenager. At 13 years old, I only went to the Baptist church camp because I wanted to meet girls. And while I was there, I went to a chapel service and it had bright red shag carpet and that Baptist pastor did an altar call and when I was 13, I answered it. And I'll never forget leaning on that red shag carpet at that little Baptist church camp in Chillicothe, Missouri, giving my life to the Lord. But I had no follow-up, I had no discipleship and no one mentored me but I'm still thankful for that mom. I'm thankful for that Bible that I still have. I'm thankful for that Baptist preacher that had the guts to at least give an altar call to 13-year-olds. Today, I'm thankful for the prison chaplain, the black prison chaplain who spit on me while I sat in the front row while he preached his guts out. When I was in prison, I just wanted to get out of my cell, so I got a pass to go to the chapel, and I sat, because I'm always a front row guy. So I sat on the front row, and he spit all over me which is why sometimes I spit all over the people sitting in the front row now. <laughs> I didn't spit on you, but I might. But I'm thankful for that chaplain. You know why? He was fervent. He was authentic. He was on fire. And I'll take a spitting pastor that gives his heart and gives us all any day of the week than somebody that's weak and passionless. I'm thankful for the strong Christian mentors that train me in the way, while I was in prison, do you know some of the strongest Christians are behind bars? There is a discipleship movement. I'm telling you right now, there are incredibly strong Christians in prison, even stronger than a lot of people out of prison. And you can be out of prison and locked in the prison of your mind and your heart, and you can be in prison and be free. That's why people come to me, pastor. I want you to pray. My my prodigal son got busted for drugs, and he's he's facing prison time. I'm like praise God, he probably needs to go to prison. Because some people need behavior modification or they're going to kill themselves. Or somebody else. And hopefully they'll find Jesus when they're... People say, well, you just found Jesus because you went to prison. I'm like, yeah, praise God for prison. It was a year of Bible school for me. I hope you all don't have to go to prison. But if you don't make good choices and good decisions, you could. Make good choices. Don't do the things that I did. Get the fullness of what God has for you now. Be on fire. Be passionate. Any other way is a road to death and destruction. Mark my words, you cannot do it in your own strength. And every one of you teenagers and young adults in this church should be on fire. You shouldn't have any jacked up religion. And if you do, get over it, get healing, get freedom, and get lit up and be on fire. Don't let this 50-year-old pastor outrun you. I'm not kidding. There's no reason why teenagers and young adults shouldn't be on fire. I'm thankful for the Quakers. Yes, the Quakers. You know why? Because they did an online, well, there was no online back then. It was through the mail, but they did a Bible study. And I actually learned a lot doing the Quakers Bible study in Ohio. I'm thankful for the Gideons who baptized me in the Holy Spirit. When I tell people that, they're shocked. You mean the Gideons? You got baptized by the Holy Spirit with Gideons? I'm like, yeah. I went to a chapel service and there was a Gideon there who talked to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. And I read it in Matthew chapter 3.11, and I was like, wait a minute, fire? I love fire. I wasn't a pyro guy, but I loved bright, colorful things. I wore red wrestling shoes and tie-dyes, a red red tie-dye bandana and tie-dyes all over me. I got busted in tie-dyes, wearing a Mexican poncho with drugs all over me. I twirled glow sticks that were on fire. I was all about fire. Yes, that was my past. Raves, I was going to raves, eating mushrooms, partying. I was a wild psychedelic guy. I still see trails to this day, I'm telling you right now. It's it's awesome. I don't even have to do drugs. Come on, guys, don't be religious on me today, all right? Don't be religious. So I wanted the fire. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was a hurricane of fire filled my mind. It's just the experience I had. I started sweating. I started shaking. I had this supernatural encounter that established me for a lifetime. I'm thankful for my friend that I met in prison, Mark Slivko, who turned me on to my first Christian tape ever, a guy by the name of Phil Keege, one of the best guitarists. Some of you are like, huh, who? This guy's a legend. If you don't know who Phil Kige is, look him up. Yeah, Google him. <laughs> I'm thankful for all my crazy pastors who were fools just like me, who loved me, trained me, and even hurt me at times, but they were used by God despite them all of them took this crazy broken person and reconciled me back to God. Through their lips, their love, their mercy, their kindness, their compassion, their care, their leadership, and even their failures. They weren't too busy to stop what they were doing and teach me, train me, correct me, and bring healing to my shame and my pain. I'm thankful for the fathers in my life to this day, those who take my calls, listen to me rant, laugh when I manifest and who genuinely love me for who I am, not what I can do for them. Prophet Kevin, Apostle Chisholm, Brad McClendon, I can give you a whole list of men that hold me accountable and if I got sideways or goofy, they would come in, they'd kick my crack and they'd set me straight or this church straight. I'm a man under authority with accountability in my own life and I have fathers in my life and if I father you, I have people fathering me. And they take time out of their busy lives. Today, we all have a mandate to do the same, to love without hooks and to plead with the lost and to be reconciled back to God. To lay down our own busy lives, selfish ambitions and preconceived ideas, inhibitions, fears, and pride. I don't care how much church you've been to. When it's worship time, you should be up front on your face or at your chair going, God, you're amazing. I don't care if you heard shout to the Lord for 600 times in a service, you're going to sing it anyway again. Some like, man, I shout to the Lord. That was my jam. darling Jack, yeah. She's a legend. And if you know what, if the worship team played it again, I might manifest for a minute, but I'm still going to worship with everything in me. I'll still shout. That's right. I'll still shout. We have to make sacrifices and rescue those just as we have and continue to so desperately need to be rescued. Isn't that right, Oscar? I don't care if you have eight kids and a growing family and ministries and jobs and full-time, you know what? This guy is preaching the gospel everywhere all the time. He's on fire and he's positioned for everything God has for him. And he's as busy with stuff as any of us are. And Proverbs 10, 11, and 12 states it the best. You guys ready for some scripture? Turn your eyes to the screen or open your Bibles and write it down. Go and rescue the perishing. Be their savior. Why would you stand back and watch them stagger to their death? And why would you say, but it's none of my business? The one who knows you completely and judges your every motive is also the keeper of souls and not just yours. He sees through your excuses and holds you responsible for failing to help those whose lives are threatened. There's no more excuses. Why would we say it's none of our business? Especially when God uses us to rescue broken people while they stagger to their death. We're the ones called to rescue instead of standing back. You know, I had a dream shortly after I gave my life to the Lord. I've never been to hell ever. I know other people that have, but I did have this dream. And in this dream, I was standing at a four-way intersection. In the middle of an intersection was a toll booth. There were three lanes each way, two primary lanes and a turning lane. In the middle of the intersection at the toll booth were toll arms in each of the four ways. Cars were speeding and it was a rainy, dark night. Cars were speeding to the light and the light was green. Right before they got to the light, it turned red. Streets were wet, it was night. And when it turned red, the arm came down do not pass, and the car was the cars would spin, and then smash into each other as they came through the intersection. And I'm standing at the toll booth, and right next to me are big, giant, seven foot tall Grim Reapers, big black hoods and giant sickles in their hand. And every time that car a car would have an accident and smash into another car, the people would be instantly killed. And I would get this bird's eye view in the car as it span, spun by. And I would see moms with little children in the back seat in car seats, drinking, partying, careless, not thinking at all about the future or tomorrow or eternity. And they would spin through the intersection. I would see teenagers drinking and driving. I would see people partying and careless and laughing. And as soon as they think that they could make it through the light, it would turn red. The arm would come down. They'd crash. They'd die. And then the grim reaper would pick up his sickle and hit the ground. And when he hit the ground, a chute would open up in the ground. And I would see the souls of the people. I was looking at them dead. And the soul would fly out. And I'd watch it be sucked into this open door into the ground and God reminded me that people are being led to the slaughter and led to death and led to the pit of hell and I have an obligation to rescue them and pull them out we don't live with eternal mindsets we're consumed with our flesh, our stuff, the immediacy of the moment, and not realizing this world is racing by, and there are grim reapers sucking the souls of people into the pit of hell every day while we stand idly by, consumed with our jobs and our money and our stuff and our feelings and our health and all these different things that keep us back from doing what God calls us to do. And I will make a commitment to you, I will not be that guy. I will not be lukewarm, I will lay my life down, I'll give you the best I got. And sometimes the best I got's once a month or bringing Jeremy into your life. I don't know what it is, or Marlene, or a family, or a community, or whatever it is. But you know what? I will never, by God's grace and mercy and power and love, live lukewarm. I'm 28 years into this. And I'm going to, I'm going to read my Bible every minute I get. I'm going to put worship on 24-7. I'm going to pray in time. I'm going to spit on my young son's writer. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to stay on fire because I can't live any other way. Let's say it. It takes all that. It takes all that. Even some spit. You know what? You got sanctified spit on you today. You're going home free. You are going home free. You could say, man, I got spit on this week and I'm washed by the water of the word. Let's say it. I am in the broken people business. We rescue men, we rescue families, we rescue rescue prodigals. We rescue those who are drawn to death and hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. That's the New King James Version. It says, rescue those who are stumbling to death or drawn to death and hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Guess what? If people don't have the life you have and know Jesus the way you do, that's everybody. And we're worried about, oh, I'm gonna offend them and they may not like me. Guess what? The gospel is offensive, but it's still good news and everybody needs it. And somebody's gonna say, I don't like it, but to everybody, you're a fragrance. And it's either the fragrance of life or the fragrance of death. The question is, number one, what do you smell like? And number two, where are they really going? The Bible says narrow is the road to life. Narrow means narrow. Few who find it, you know why? You know why few who find it? Because few will pay the price, tray, Few will be aggressive and on fire. Few will be violent in the streets to preach the gospel and not hold back. Few will live in purity and holiness. Few will surrender their lives to get into the word and worship and not go partying with their friends on a Friday night like you used to do. Now you have a new mission. You made the great exchange. You traded your old life for a new life. That person you once were, Renee, is not who you are now. You're a changed person. In fact, Colossians 1 says God conveyed you or transferred you. He literally plucked you out and put you into a new life. You're part of a new kingdom. Not the power of darkness, but the kingdom of his son. Yeah, you should be fired up for that because this isn't a hype up. stick around. You know what I'm saying, Adam. He's been around a long time. This is reality, and it's messy sometimes. And it's hard, and I will manifest. And you know what? My own heart is deceitfully wicked. And that's why I have to stay aggressive night and day and not give the devil a second of the tip of my fingernail, ever. You can't do it. Ever. We understand that most people don't do what we think they should, and especially the way we would. I determined a long time ago, most of y'all probably aren't going to do things the way I think you should. I hope you do. Some of you do. But you know what? When you don't, I'm going to love you just the same. And I'm still going to tell you the truth, but I'm going to speak it in love. And most people aren't going to do it the way you, you would. And I hope the worst of the worst, the broken, the sickest, the most hurtingest, the most wicked of sinners walk inside this church. And I hope they sit right next to you. because we're in the broken people business, not the offended. I can't believe that that gay couple walked in this church. I can't believe that stripper came here. I can't believe that homeless guy that stinks to high heaven. I can't believe that drug dealer and that guy that came in with all that gold bling bling who's such a player, and he's checking out all the young girls here. I'm like, you know what? You can go check out some of these young girls because they're going to give you the full gospel, and they're going to get you born again, (laughs) not take you home and hook up with you. instead of disengaging with the affairs of men and falsely judging and criticizing them, we do make it our business. It is my business. You wanna say it's none of your business? That's not true. If you're a Christian, first off, you're in a family that I'm in. And we have the most important thing in common. His name is Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean I'm gonna ramrod you, but it means I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna speak the truth and your business is my business. And second of all, if you don't know Jesus, that means you are on a fast track to death, and that means it's my business. So, really, everything's my business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Ephesians 4 14 and 15. <clears throat> We're not cunning, crafty, or deceitfully plotting. We're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but rather we speak the truth how? Verse 15 in love so that people can grow up. We need people to speak the truth in love and we need to receive it. That's why the foundation of everything has to be perfect love. Otherwise, if you're speaking the truth, you're doing it for yourself or you're doing it out of religious obligation. You ever had somebody preach to you out of religious obligation? I can smell it a mile away. And I have such a disdain. People come try to talk to me about the Lord or preach to me and I'm like, wait a minute, your heart's not even in this and I'm not just another number I'm not a notch in your belt or a feather in your cap. And I don't need you all to be like that too. I need you to get perfect love in your heart and realize what God's done for you so that you can give it away to somebody else. Because no matter where you're at today, God's had perfect love for you. And you gotta stop living this while I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough and I don't speak well enough. God always used the weakest and the least, right? Peter couldn't speak well. The disciples were uneducated and it shocked the religious leaders and the governors of who are these people that are uneducated. They must have been with Jesus is what somebody's gonna say. It's not about how smart you are. It's about what God does in your life and it's about you understanding when you get perfect love, you can't not give perfect love away. My life would be so much easier taking care of my donkeys instead of taking care of other people's other donkeys. (laughs) That is a good quote right there. <laughs> you know, you know what? I'm a I'm a zookeeper on all sides, bro. All sides, all sides. And so the point is, is that we have to make the time to lay our lives down, and stop worrying about what other people are going to think. And don't forget what is most important. The Bible gives us a clear command. We must rescue those who are on the road to death and pull those out on the way to slaughter. That's what Rock City Church is here for. We're not a good old boy club. We're a nice, not a nice, pretty church. I don't need nice organization. I don't need institutionalized church. What I need is a bunch of wild, extravagant, crazy, wide-eyed wonders of God going to the darkest of dark places and pulling people out of the pit of hell and bringing them into a family. And then I need you all to be a family so that people can find mothers and brothers and new friends. That's the hardest thing for so many people. It's like, man, when I, I got to give up my old life. And those are all my friends that love me to no end until you stop smoking and drinking and partying with them. Then they won't be calling you to hang out. Right? The people you thought once would be your friends for life till you went all in for Jesus. Now you're that nice church girl. What happened to you? You're all about Jesus now. We have to be kind, Ephesians four thirty two, Kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. You have to. Anybody that's hurt you, forgive them for they know not what they do. You say, well, they, they knew what they were doing. No, they didn't or they wouldn't have done it. Anybody that does anything contrary to what the Lord would do, and they, even if they know they do it, whether they abused you, raped you, whatever they did, I'm telling you right now, they didn't know what they were doing. They were deceived by the devil and they need freedom as much as anybody else does. I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just helping you to forgive. Do you understand? I've been called names by pastors. I've, this church has been called names. And you know what it does? It thickens my skin. It makes me leaner and meaner. And then I realize I was born for the storm. You were born for the storm. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. I'm sorry you screwed it up, messed it up, but you know what? That's not who you are anymore. Pick yourself up, dust your knees off, and let's get going forward and stop doing the stuff that you did before, period. Just stop doing it now. You can do it with Christ's help. You can't do it in your own strength. And if I get out of the pocket, I'm just like you. I'm not smarter. I'm not more anointed. I'm not bigger, better, badder, faster, quicker, newer, greater. I'm none of that stuff. I'm a man that puts his pants on and goes to the bathroom just like you, Ram. But I pay a price, and God entrusted me with the responsibility that you can do too. And every day I have to make the decision, pleasures of this world or pleasures of the kingdom. Every day I have to have my heart circumcised. Every day. You know why God had circumcision in the Old Testament? because it was a type and shadow of circumcision of the heart. And what he's saying is flesh was covering the heart of man. Let's pull back the flesh, think of circumcision, and now give you real reproductive power. Because both of these things have reproductive power. And God wants the reproductive power of your heart on fire. We got sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and families to rescue. Right? And they're everywhere around you. And the devil wants you consumed with you. He wants you consumed with your future. He wants you consumed with your dreams. What about me? Me, 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 me. And I get it. God cares about you. God cares about our future. But you know how you get a future? You get Jesus. You know how Jesus got exalted? You know how Jesus got a name above all names? The name above all names. His name is Jesus. Let's say that. His name is Jesus. Does it feel so good? You know how Jesus got a name above all names? Can you imagine a name above every name that's named? You know how you got it? He humbled himself and became a bondservant to all men. And he made himself of no reputation. But we wanna be known. You gotta know what I do. You gotta know who I am. What about me? And he says, I'll make myself of no reputation. I'll become a bondservant to all and I will humble myself to the cross. This is Philippians 2. And so you know what God said? I'm gonna exalt you. And in a world of social media and in a world of make myself known and podcasts and videos and me, me, me and stuff and legacies and more money and all that stuff, God says you must decrease so that I can increase. Yeah! This should get you so fired up. You don't need to be a history maker. Not that I don't like the song. You know what? If I raised kids on fire, I made history. If I pulled one person out to be flamed on, I made history. If I lived a life in intimate relationship with the Lord till the day I die, I made history. We've got to have right perspective. We're in the broken people business. Let's go back to Proverbs 10, verse 12. Why would you say it's none of my business? The one who knows you completely and judges your every motive is also the keeper of your souls and not just yours. Not just yours. He sees through your excuses and holds you responsible for failing to help those whose lives are threatened. God is the one who knows the full story on everyone. He's the one who knows us and judges all of our motives perfectly. Hence, we're without excuse and he holds us responsible when we fail to help those whose lives are threatened. God knows the whole story. He has all the facts. That's why I don't pass judgment on you. I'll measure actions, but I don't measure heart motives. Is it illegal, immoral, unethical, or unbiblical? If it is, then it's not okay. If it's not, it's probably okay. Okay. And what I do is I look at actions instead of heart motives. Only God can judge the heart. And even in actions, I measure with love. He knows the full story on everyone. We don't. We can't be silent, too busy, or preoccupied. We must check our own hearts, our selfish ambitions, motives, and desires, especially when we judge others while we do the same things they do. Romans chapter two, verse one. Take a good look at these scriptures and blaze them on your mind. Read it for the next month straight. This is in the Passion Translation. No matter who you are, before you judge the wickedness of others, you'd better remember this. You are also without excuse. For you too are guilty of the same kind of things. When you judge others and then do the same things they do, you condemn yourself. We know that God's judgment falls upon those who practice these things. God is always right. Why? Because he knows all the facts. I had a friend Married 25 years, three kids, influential leader, loved him to know, still love him to know in, in a circle of some of my closest friends. After 25 years, he decides, I want to be with somebody else. He'd had affairs, he was done. He's gonna, he's gonna leave his wife, and he did. <clears throat> and you know what? God has redeemed him. But in that moment, I was mad, and I was very angry at him. And then I started praying for him and I had a vision of him in foster care and an orphan as a child. And I started to weep for him. So when I saw him the next time, I said, hey, were you in foster care and an, uh, orphaned as a child? He goes, how did you know that? I'm not told anybody that. And we wept and cried and God showed me that he was still in foster care. He'd never been fully rescued as a son to know who he really was. So instead of anger, I had compassion. You know why? Because God knows the whole story. of married couples that they get married in brokenness and sin, right? We're just talking about that. And then, you know, 20, 30 years of living in the world, then you get married and then you get born again. And then in about a year, the wife expects the husband to be perfect. Okay. The husband expects the wife to be, I don't know either way. A whole lifetime, born, many of us were born in bread and brokenness. Your stories, our stories, so many of us are so jacked up from our past. And if you can't see how God has, to, in time and process, rewiring, and I'm not saying it's okay, <laughs> some of the things that the men are doing, but what I am saying is there's got to be mercy and grace and forgiveness and compassion, and you got to start to see things the way God sees them. See, when I look at you, I see things the way God sees you. I'm looking at you as sons and daughters and husbands and future husbands full of life and promise, not jacked up, ex-drug addicted, womanizing bikers. That may be part of your story, but that's not how I see you now. And I also realize that I may not do some of the same things y'all doing, but I got my own issues in my own heart. I think a lot of things that I don't say, I repented for nine straight weeks here to this church about stuff in my own heart and I still talk about it. Because if you don't do it, but you think it, it can be just as bad, if not worse. And so here we are passing judgment when at the same time we got our own fair share of issues. And it doesn't mean that we're not called to measure, but you only measure by being spiritual. It's spiritual to spiritual. So I can point people to what's not spiritual instead of condemning them. And if I judge you erroneously while I do the same or similar things, guess what I'm doing to myself? I'm condemning me. Look at this verse three. No matter who you think you are, when you judge others and do the same things, you do the same uh, and do these things and then do the same things yourself, what makes you think that you will escape God's judgment? Verse four, do the riches of, I love this. Do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake God's tolerance for acceptance. Don't mistake my tolerance for acceptance. I say it all the time. Where in the world are people finding truth today? Think about it. From the TV, the media, liberal universities, where are people finding truth today? Where should they find truth today? They should be able to come in and hear straightforward talk with authority and love and fathering that shows them Christ and brings healing to their life. You know what that means? It means all those people you don't like or don't agree with their lifestyles need to come here. And when they come here, you need to love them incredibly well. Because God loved you with extravagant love so incredibly well. The, the new King James says he's forbearing. And that we actually despise it when we're critical and judgmental of other people. (laughs) Right? So let the sinners come. Let the wicked come to the house of God. Let the witches and the Wiccans come to the house of God. They can't overcome love. There's authority and power and love in this house. But I need you to get your game face on and realize what we're really doing. So a lot of you, there's some of you that are new and visiting but I'm, I'm also gonna speak to the core of this family. If you've been coming here more than about 90 days, then it's time for you to flame on and start rescuing some people. And I realize that we're not doing the big altar calls. I realize that, that you know, we're not maybe doing the things the way we do at, our, at the conference, but those days are gonna come and more people are gonna come and we're gonna lay hands on the sick and we're gonna cast out demons and we're gonna baptize people in the Holy Spirit. I've been doing it for years. This isn't a new thing for me. That's not new to Rock City. And somebody's going to call you crazy and the devil's going to tell you it doesn't take all that, but it does. If I don't keep my mind, if I don't fan into flame the gift of God that was given to me through the laying on of hands, I will grow cold. I'm not any different than anybody else. I just choose to stay more aggressive. And I'm not hyping it up. Look at this, this is so good. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? But because of your calloused heart and refusal to change direction, you are piling up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. God has a wealth of extravagant kindness and it's designed to melt your heart. And lead you to repentance. You know what repentance is? I'm going to change the way I think, which changes the way that I live. First message Jesus preached was repent. I'm here. Change the way that you think. In fact, today, my voice to all of you and everybody watching online is a clarion voice be reconciled to God. Don't miss the moment. Stay flamed on. Don't be lukewarm. It's not about our selfish ambition or selfishness, fame and notoriety. Let's say this, we are in the broken people business. But we have to deal with the logs in our own eyes, don't we? Before we can pick the speck out of others' eyes. The problem is some of you got a 50 year log. It's like my whole life I've been working on this log. I will say that's one of the problems with a lot of inner healing movements. You never get healed. Some of us love living in the world of my next thing. And yeah, our whole life is pulling back a bloomin' onion to get to the core. But I've just kind of learned to say, you know what? I got jacked up issues in my heart, so I confess them daily and I learned to love you and treat you right, and I don't hide or pretend or fake it till I make it anymore. I'm just real and raw about it. You know what? I really don't like some of these things about you, but I love you, and I'm gonna work through those issues in my heart with the Lord. And then I've learned, you know what? When when are you gonna arrive? The answer is never until Jesus comes back or you gotta be with him. But we live in this world of when I get stronger or when I get more in the word or when I get healthier or when I get this thing dealt with or when I arrive. And you know what? You wait till tomorrow and five years comes by and you're like, man, this is just the same thing, a different issue. I made the decision early on, man, I'm going to preach the gospel, love on some people, not because I have to, but because I want to, because I won the spiritual lottery. So did you, man. I'm like fired up. I'm a multimillionaire in the spirit. I got a daddy with riches on a thousand hills. I got the power of God on my backside. I'm with him. I'm not alone anymore. I'm not defined by what I did. I'm defined by what he says. Not only are we without excuse when it comes to rescuing others, we are without excuse when we judge others inaccurately. God is always right, He sees all the facts. We don't. We're hypocrites when we condemn and do the same, and we will face God's judgment in a way that's not pleasing if we continue to live that way. God is rich in extraordinary kindness to all. He's kind and understanding, and He's just because he tolerates or, and just because He tolerates our sin, and hypocrisy doesn't mean he accepts it. the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to not only melt your hearts, but the hearts of those you encounter. And ultimately, it leads us to repent. We must be willing to change. We must get our calloused hearts healed. We must make the great exchange and change direction and learn to live lives that please God and in his constant goodness. And I'll leave you with this this morning. Romans chapter two, verse seven through nine. (laughs) You're gonna love this. Everybody say constant. constant. Constant means not ever stopping. There's no retreat. It means all the time, every time, and every day. It means I'm aggressive, and you can label me super spiritual. But I know how to talk normal, and I know how to look you right in the eyes and have reality-based conversations. Right? You ever met real super spiritual people that it's like, you can't even have a real conversation with them? Those living in constant goodness and doing what pleases him, seeking an unfading glory and honor and imperishable virtue will experience eternal life. When does eternity start? Earth's not your home. <clears throat> the Bible says you're pilgrims. It's passing through on a journey to the high place, Mount Zion. You know, in Jerusalem from the city of David, they just discovered The Pilgrim's Way, it was a secret passageway buried under like layers and layers of cities. We didn't even get to go there. Called the Pilgrim's Way. Go look it up on YouTube. They just dug it out. And it was David had a secret pilgrim's ascent that went from the city of David all the way to the top of the Temple Mount. You're on a journey, guys. You're going up to the high places. You're pilgrims in a strange land. Earth was never your home. The older you get, the more you'll realize it. But I pray that you'll get it now while you're young. So when you live in constant goodness and doing what pleases him, you experience eternal life. But those governed by selfishness and self-promotion, I want you to focus on that for just a moment. The number one killer of a great move of God in your life is selfishness and self-promotion. I would recommend you do everything in it to kill you. And it doesn't mean that you don't need people affirming you or encouraging you and saying nice things to you. But if you don't get it from others, you always get it from the Lord. And the more you decrease, the more he'll increase you. You love, you serve, you stay in constant goodness and you do what pleases him. Are you doing what pleases God? And doing what pleases God isn't us foreign no more and hide out in our nice suburbia, I could easily hide out. I got my nice ranch fence and three acres and animals. I could be an end time prepper and shoot ducks and doves and deer. I could hide out and live my own life and sell some coffee and save up my stash and build up my ammunition and just push the button now. But you know what? I, there's people broken and hurting and dying. God doesn't call us to live our nice little suburbia lives. And I am out to challenge you. I'm not out to put shame on you. My wife texted me. She said, that was a really good message. I'm, I'm, I'm so convicted. I, I know I need to do more. I wish I could do more. And I feel bad. And my, I was gonna write, well, I don't want you to feel bad. But then I thought, you know what? If it's from the Lord and it convicts us, then feel bad. Because it's not about my feelings. And you know what? The more selfish I become the more self-centered I become, the more lack of being flamed on I become. And sometimes I do need God's conviction. We live in a world, nobody wants to be convicted or feel bad. You know what? Maybe God does need to convict us and we need to feel bad about our selfishness. In fact, we do. (laughs) Right before my 50th birthday, I had a life-changing encounter to this day. And you know what? It's not all gone. So don't hold it against me when I'm selfish. Selfish. Because I won't hold it against you. But you know what? I see it more now than I ever saw it before. I'm quicker to repent. God said, I love you enough to not leave you the same. Is stuff manifesting in your life? Praise God. God wants to get it out. You know when the dross gets out of the silver? When the temperature gets really hot. You were born for the storm, you were born for adversity. And friends are born for adversity in your life too. Those who are governed by selfishness and self-promotion whose hearts are, though this, unresponsive to God's truth. Don't be unresponsive today. I love you. I'm not trying to get you to be a part of a religion or a social club. I'm getting you to be in the kingdom and a part of a family. When we're unresponsive to God's truth and would rather embrace unrighteousness, we will experience the fullness of wrath. I haven't done a teaching yet on wrath, but I will. It's coming. I've been thinking about it a long time and I want to say it right. I mean, it's like, if you're coming on a Sunday morning, I mean, man, the topic today is the wrath of God. Yeah! (laughs) It's like, man, that church. But there is a wrath of God and it's justified. So the challenge for you today is to not be unresponsive. Verse 9, anyone who does evil can expect tribulation and distress. We all know that if we've done, lived a life of sin and wickedness. To The Jew first, why? Because they have the promise first and, and definitely should know better. And then the non-Jew, which means it's everybody. But when we do what, please, this is what I really want you to focus on. I'm an optimist. When we do what pleases God, we can expect unfading glory, true honor, and continual peace. Who would like that over selfishness and self-promotion? I'll take true peace, true honor, and unfading glory. You know what unfading glory is? You know Moses, when he went 40 days on Mount Sinai and got the tablets, and it says he came down, his face glowed so bright that people could not even look on his face. Okay? but 2 Corinthians 3 gives us a key that we don't get in Exodus. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says that the reason why Moses actually had to cover his face was so that people wouldn't see the glory that was fading away. But guess what you get now? Full-time glory that never fades when we do what pleases God. Now, God still loves you, And boy, does he tolerate a lot of stuff. But it doesn't mean he accepts it. And what God wants to do is he wants you to be in full-time glory. He wants you to shine. You're destined to shine, all of you. We're all destined to shine. Shine bright all the time. Unfading glory. You know how you keep unfading glory? You stay in the pocket of his love. You stay in the secret place. And I just want to tell you all right now, I'm getting more aggressive today. I have to. Because I'm telling you, it seems like the lines have been more drawn in my own personal life. Does it feel that way to y'all? Does it feel like if I give the devil or complacency any bit, it just consumes you in an instant? We got work to do. We got a city to save. We got a nation to save. And you know where they're going to come? and come right here. We won't be the only one, but we'll be some. Seek his unfading glory, honor, and imperishable virtue, and in turn you'll experience eternal life. Lay down selfishness, self-promotion, so you don't have to experience God's wrath. No more tribulation and distress by living contrary to God's design. Do what pleases him, and you can expect unfading glory. We're in the broken people business. And you know what? The enemy works on over time to keep you silent and to keep you quiet, to tell you it doesn't take all that, but it does take all that. I would encourage you all to pray in tongues a lot. If you don't pray in tongues, make it your ambition to learn about it, to study the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and go after it. It's for everybody. It's not just a gift for some. That's a lie. Don't believe that lie. Even the Apostle Paul said, I want everyone to pray in tongues. Okay? Okay? And, and i understand it defies logic and reason but it inflames your mind it flames you on god doesn't want you lukewarm and i see evangelists in this church using your positions of influence in your business even some of you really pretty girls using your looks and the, the guys are coming like man you are like hot. i don't want to know you can i get your number You're like, no, but you can get Jesus's number. It's 10309 SPID. (laughs) That's the number. Write it down. 10 a.m., 1130 on Sunday. I'll see you there. (laughs) Yeah. Woo. Whatever it takes. (laughs) Whatever it takes. Instead of using your gifts and your talents for your own Selfish gain, you use it for the kingdom. Okay, every one of you have gifts and don't let your looks, don't let your money, don't let anything hold you back. Not your situation, every one of you, not the color of your skin, not your money, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you've been. God can use every one of you right where you're at. He's got a purpose and plan and it's time for you to use it. And yes, you'll use it a lot here, but I'm here to train you and equip you and send you. Okay, let's say this out loud, say, send me. Send me. Jesus. Jesus. Send me Jesus. Send me Jesus. Highways and byways. Highways and byways. All right? Let's all stand. I'll pray over you all right now. Just close your eyes. I'll pray over this whole church. Um, my prayer is that this would, the wind of the spirit would impart something right into your hearts right now. Okay? Before i let you go we got a few minutes okay i want you to just close your eyes and let god begin to take over your mind and your heart he's here the word's been preached now he'll confirm it with a sign and wonder the greatest sign and wonder is being spoken to directly by the creator of the earth and the heavens I'm seeing hearts flamed on right now for purpose. I see you evangelizing. God's gonna start dropping some people into your mind that you work with or that you encounter. You're gonna start to see lost family members right in your position of influence and your sphere of influence. Some of you are gonna start to weep. Some of you are gonna weep over your own selfishness. That's true brokenness. I say, Lord, Lord, I've been so selfish. I don't want to be selfish anymore. Some of us have been afraid to talk to that particular person or the coworker or that family member. And you know what? We've got to pull them out. We've got to at least try. We've got to at least try got to try. Feel the urgency of the Lord in this house. Please, Lord, make us more aggressive to know you and to love better, to speak the truth in perfect love. I speak perfect love to every one of you the love that Christ loved you with, the loving kindness, forgiveness, patience. Uh, Show us what really matters the most, Lord. We don't want a moment of inspiration. We want a lifetime of transformation. Eternity now, God. Going headlong into eternity. Earth is not our home. We yearn and long to be with you. But until that day comes, God, I thank you that you've given us a guarantor, the Holy Spirit, to equip us, prepare us, train us now. God, I pray that nothing else would satisfy us but you that we wouldn't be consumed with the news and the media and even the political affairs, but that we'd be so dialed in with you so that we can make a difference in all those things and more so that we can become and then do what you've called us to do. God, I pray for a fresh baptism over everybody here. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. It, and don't worry about what anybody else is thinking. Just lift them up high to him. This is a position of surrender. Just tell him, Lord, I surrender all. Help me to stay surrendered. Have mercy on my life, God. Forgive me and baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your fire. Fill me anew, God. I pray for my prayer language let it roll like a river all the time. Let it come up and out of me, no matter what my mind thinks or what somebody else says. Set me on fire for all the world to see, Lord. <sighs> oh, man. I just speak forgiveness over those of you that are battling shame come out from the deceptive lie of shame. God will cover your nakedness. No more going back to the pig trough. No more going back like a dog to its vomit. We're not gonna go back to that old life. I speak resilience, strength, courage, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The righteous are bold as a lion I speak boldness as a lion because of the righteousness of Christ. And I thank you, God, for a new day. I thank you, God, that we're not of this world. We're of the kingdom of God. Help us to burn bright and bring radical light and change and healing to the world around us. I bless all of you. I bless your marriages, your singleness. If you're single, if you're young, I speak purity over you and that you would be men and women in waiting, that you'd not open the garden of your heart to anyone but Jesus until, you, until he brings your spouse. No more giving yourself away, no more fear. God has got this, he's got it. He'll do what he said he would do. Thank you for confidence, faith, perfect peace, sleep, rest, dreams, visions. Signs, wonders, boldness, confidence. Help us to get past our own feelings and inhibitions and to be flamed on for you all the days of our life and to rescue broken people. I bless you all mightily today as you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo, yeah. Have an awesome day, everybody. Stay fired up.